Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Hey now, everyone. Welcome back to the Pendola Project. As always, I'm your host, Matt Pendola. Today, I have a very special guest. I know I always say that, but this is a really very special guest. Lisa Stevens. She was actually one of the moms of one of the athletes that I worked with several years ago. He just found the joy and love of running, Ben Stevens. And I was lucky enough to work with him and coach him. And then Lisa actually decided herself that she was going to help out at the time with the school needed a coach there for cross country and she got involved and man lisa it's been quite a journey now you are what i would personally call you one of the top coaches in the area i know you won't say that but i'm going to say that and we're going to talk about why and your remarkable journey with your kids in such a short amount of time really when you look at the big picture I actually needed to take some notes from you. I think you actually bring a lot more to the table when it comes to culture and how these kids feel supported and they can really challenge themselves and feel like they can do more because their coach believes in them, because their culture supports that. So Lisa, thanks for coming in today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Of course. I'm glad to be here. As always, I'm glad to talk to you. And we were talking before the podcast started today about just coaching kids in general. And there are so many tough influences around us and that instant gratification that we tend to deal with now. And I think that's more and more challenging as we're trying to sort of sell this cross country thing or this long distance or middle distance running thing. To, uh, to kids that I think do want that instant gratification even more so today than ever. True, absolutely. Um, you know, the social media culture that we live in now is, it's, 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 it's tough for these kids. They don't realize it because they don't know anything different. But um, they're constantly comparing themselves to others and what they should be doing and should not be doing. And uh, that gets, gets in the way. <laughs> Yeah, and so it does. It really does get in the way. You were talking about how sometimes your athletes will look up images like on Instagram and then think that maybe they should look like that runner or they should be performing like so-and-so. So let's talk about that a little bit. How, how do we keep our athletes um, motivated but also just engaged in their own process and not somebody else's? Because I, I know growing up, I did not have, well, we didn't have Instagram. We didn't have those things around. We couldn't check up and I didn't have those kind of outside influences and I'm glad for it. It, it right. It reminds me, I was listening to Rob Lowe on a podcast recently and he was, t- you, yes, you saw that or uh-huh. you heard that too. And he was talking about how as an actor, um, I guess, um, uh, only 1% of working actors actually, uh, make enough where they can they can make a living at it one percent and that's of the working actors so he didn't know that he just thought when he was younger i i think i'm just going to do this acting thing and i think i'm good at it and that's what i'll do and then he really just followed that path and nobody told him otherwise and he, you know i think t- these days it would be a little bit different and it's hard to ignore everything that's out there and when you realize 
what an uphill challenge you have, sometimes I think it's easier just to uh, avoid it altogether, right? Right, right. Yep. Shout out to that Joe Rogan podcast. That's right. Um, yeah, we, I, are, we talk a lot with our group of kids um, about what they're seeing on social media as far as, Yes, it's a great thing to look at for motivation, you know, whether it's the elite runners. I had two of my two of my kids text me last night. Did you see the 5K PR? Did you see what came down? And I'm like, yep, yep. And so they they do. They follow that, which is great. And it's motivating. Um, and, and so that is good. But at the same token, I always talk about, um, yeah, well, let's see how they got that fast. Right. That that just obviously did not happen overnight. It's a, it's a significant process. And there's a lot of baby steps along the way to get to where they are. Um, baby steps, both physically and definitely mentally in their training to get, you know, to what they've accomplished. And, um, you know, I'm a big um, believer and and I don't know if it's because my son was on the team when I started coaching eight years ago but I use him a lot as an example as somebody who you know maybe didn't have a whole lot of running talent his freshman year but had the want and the and the grit um, so to speak and um, and I'll show my kids you know the times that he ran as a freshman as a sophomore as a junior as a senior and then I've done that pretty much every year to all of my kids with with other kids definitely um, you know even some of my the fastest kids that have come through my program they weren't always that fast right when they were a freshman and sophomore they were slower and they kept working and it's it's it, they really have to realize that it is a process um, it's not going to happen by tomorrow next week or even in three months for state unless you've been working at the process and um, so you know that's we talk about it a lot and it's not just with my fast kids meaning more of my varsity kids but all of my kids we talk about it because everybody is on their own personal struggle to get better and um so, for example, last season, my um, high school kids, they won the JV Boys Championship. And I can't even tell you how excited I was, ex as really as excited for that as I was when um, my varsity boys won the regional. It was so exciting for my JV boys to win that. Now they barely won. They squeaked it out, but it was still a, still a win. And um, it was so exciting. And they saw all their hard work that they had been doing over the last two and three years paid off. And um, to me, that's that's what it's all about. It really is. I'm glad you brought that up, too, about how realizing that this is a process and it can take time to get to the point where you're maybe running varsity times. And, of course, it can take time to where you're running more elite times. Some people have the ability to run faster sooner. And I think in high school, that's where there's a lot of misunderstanding because now you want to know how that guy is running that fast and what is he doing for training. And really, you're not looking at the fact that he's been shaving since he was 12. <laughs> and maybe he's right. And maybe hormonally, he's just set up a little bit better right now, but eventually you will catch up. And there's nothing that I think is more successful than consistency. It's that person who just loves it so much. They just keep doing it. When, when I was in high school, there was a girl that was running sub five minute mile her freshman year. And, you know, it really, she was built more like a boy. Now, by the time she was a senior, she was running five eighteen, 
and she was definitely uh, more of a woman at that point. And I think that had she seen it differently, had she been coached a little bit differently, she'd have been able to use the muscle that she had now. She'd have been able to uh, work on some things, maybe getting down to some of the basics to improve her stride and that sort of thing. But I think instead what happened, it was just more, well, you were fast. And that's tough because uh, I know myself, I was 1447 5K at 15. Oops. Now, I, I don't even... I don't even really talk about that to the kids that I coach at that age because it's not something that means that I didn't didn't get me as far as people thought it would, right? So back then it was like, wow, he's going to be the next big thing, right? And then I, but I w- what I will tell people is that by the time I was senior, I was running about a minute slower with all my injuries and different things that I encountered. I went to a special camp where. You, you got invited to this camp if you ran fast enough times, basically. And um, so I, I went to this camp very young. And what I encountered there is these kids were doing high mileage. And I wasn't. And I rushed that. And um, I happened to have a coach at a time who supported me rushing that. <laughs> so there's kind of my story on why we all have to follow our own process. I if Looking back, I wish I had just kept sort of getting a little bit better all the time and you want to it's like to me it's like you're trying to you're trying to do as little as possible and get as much as you can out of it right what's your thoughts on that I mean going back to um, how you're talking about consistency and and the kids that are kind of fast and quick right from the get-go is it because they've already pretty much been living a consistent lifestyle and they just didn't know it are those the kids that you know, um, get good sleep every night, eat pretty much, you know, nothing exciting, kind of the same thing every day, and they're consistent in just showing up? Is that the way they o- they've they really always lived? And um, that's paying off in their, in their running? I, you know, I do say the ultimate performance enhancers are sleep, <laughs> nutrition, and consistency. And those are, you know, there's nothing rocket science about that. It's um, looking at those little things, and so going back, were you were you when you ran? You know, your sub fifteen. Were you kind of just living your normal, consistent lifestyle, even though you didn't realize it? Right. That's a really good point. I think that I really was just. I was. I was definitely very passionate about running. I loved and found a lot of joy in running at that time. I didn't yet have the pressure of well he's the next big thing until I ran that time. And then all of a sudden I had a lot of attention. And then I think that's when I thought to myself, well, I should be doing more. And uh, so I did, I did more because I felt like, well, I don't want to, you know, there's so much emphasis, I think on grinding it out. And if you really, if you want it, you got to work for it. And that to me is very true, but it's more in that consistency that you're referring to where what I had to realize, think at the time is it was more about me consistently getting up and repeating, uh, this until I became sort of a master at it and then adding a little bit more volume from there or intensity from there. But I was getting enough out of it at the time. Obviously, why did I need to all of a sudden go from 30 mile weeks to 70 mile weeks. And, you know, that was, and that's literally what I did over the summer. I ran that, um, where I was from, it was, uh, on a track, you did outdoor track, you had the 5,000 meters 
And so over that summer, man, I was just, I was just running, uh, more than twice the mileage. And it was mainly because of that camp that I got invited to just after the summer at Dartmouth where these national champions were there. Everybody was a state champion. I was like one of the few people that was not that yet, but I had run times barely good enough to get to that camp. And then I thought, okay, well, I want to be them. So I'm just going to do what they're doing. And I think that's another point to bring up too, is, um, even good influencing, in other words, your teammates, they say, Hey bro, just do what I did because it really worked for me. And it's, I think it can get really tough to make those decisions that, well, maybe sometimes that is the right thing to do for me, but maybe it's not. And, um, do you deal with that with the team though? A lot of times, um, to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, you know, right now, in the last couple of years, we have a pretty tight group of kids all around. There's, you know, four or five pretty tight pods, I would call, of kids that train together, work together, want to want to help each other out, um, are happy when they beat each other, that kind of thing, right? They're happy to race against each other and beat each other, and they're happy um, for that, for the one kid that finally beat them all, right? Um You know, and kind of going back to like what you were saying with that, with the consistency and it it is, what is the definition of consistency? It is, you know, I always just say showing up, but you can still have some, some, you know, fine tuning that. So on my team, for example, consistency is we don't run on Sunday. So that's part of our consistency. Usually Sunday is a day off during, during the competition season. And um, I know that's definitely not the case with um, other teams and other coaches. Um, a lot of coaches will use that as a, you know, shoot, we're doing a 12 to 15 mile easy run on Sunday. We don't do that. I'm a, definitely a, a lower mileage coach. Um, these kids are still, my philosophy is these kids are still growing. <laughs> they, are, they are growing. Uh, they have uh, horrendous amounts of other influences and stress that they're getting through, schooling and family and things like that, um, that they don't need me to impose more stress upon them. I'm going to try to do as much as I can efficiently and letting them still be kids. And I, I think that's, I just get that from, being a mom when my son um, was going into his junior year in high school and they didn't have a coach and um, that was the only reason I became a coach is because he wanted to transfer schools so that he could go to a school where there was a cross-country team and I had my other son already in that school and I said no I'll all right, I'll, I'll just coach. How hard can it be, right? How hard can this be? And um, I'll have maybe 18, 20 kids on the team. And um, so, yeah, that's where that started eight years ago. So I was only going to coach for two years while he was on his junior and senior year. And um, so here I am still six years later. So it, it's all good. It's good. Um, but you do have to have a culture. You have to have a culture because you can't, you can't make kids love distance running. <laughs> Either they, they enjoy it or they don't. And the best way I think for them to enjoy it is, is with their teammates and making it fun. Um, you know, this year in COVID, we only got about a four-and-a-half-week preseason, which is really kind of the highlight of our entire season every year is our preseason. And my kids all tell me that, is that our preseason is the most fun part of the season they tell their parents that at our November banquet is preseason is always you know the most fun but that's what 
gets them there. It has to be fun and um, it has to be letting them be kids and um, having a good time while you're incorporating um, some workouts. <laughs> I think there's a couple of things people might not know about you is, for example, you have done some 50Ks yourself recently, and I know that's just being a good example. I, I remember watching you when I was coaching on a, a different team, and I'd watch you talking to your kids and just – you mentioned to me that, well, my times aren't very impressive and, and that doesn't even matter. They're when, not. <laughs> but when you're a kid and you're seeing this coach that actually practices what she preaches, I think that goes a long ways. But the bigger thing to me is that culture. Like your son, Ben, uh, by the way, I was so happy when he made Allstate his senior year in cross country. He so deserved it. But he was that kid screaming at the top of his lungs before every race, doing his chants and getting everybody going. And I saw that all the way to, um, I'll just call it proud, like peacock posing or something where your girls would be on the line and they'd be like uh, pr proud of. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, power they, pose. Power pose. Okay. Mm -hmm. So talk about that a little bit. Where did that come from? So the power pose actually came from, I actually have a book here, Matt. Um, the power pose. You read lots of books. I do. Is actually a Kara Goucher um, phrase. And she talks about, she wrote a book called Strong that came out, mm, I think, two years ago now. And she talks about, it's a great book because she talks about all of her insecurities. Here's a double Olympian and, you know, NCAA eight-time champ and an amazing runner. And how when she gets to the start line, she still feels inadequate and insecure and nervous that she hasn't done enough and everything else. And so a couple years ago, I got this book for each of my girls. And um, we talked about how, look, doesn't, you know... It, this happens even when you're an elite runner. So let's do something about it. And one of her things that really struck um, myself and the girls was her power pose. So they get on the line. And normally when you're on a cross-country um, invitational or meet and you're on the line, everybody's hopping and muscle slapping and, you know, chatting. And they're, they're not, they are like moving like crazy. So my girls got on the line and did just the opposite. They just do the, you can call it the superhero pose or whatever you want to call it. They just put their hands on their hips and they just breathe. And um, so that was two year, two seasons ago when my girls won region. And um, that was, you know, one of the things. I had five girls. That's it. We had no extra girls. Five girls that went to region and uh, then went second at state that same year. And um, the power pose was a, a big, um, I really attribute a lot to them being able to focus and being, you have to feel confident. And and even if you aren't really feeling confident, you have to just fake it. You have to go, okay, what, you know, I'm ready to start this race. If I'm not ready, it's too late to stress about that now. Let's just get on, hands on hips, focus. And um, they would look straight forward and everybody else would be bouncing around them. And um, it was, it was good it's all good I so when we it. got my boys to do it last year they all did the power pose every start and um, especially with boys they're much worse at slapping their muscles and jumping up around and um, they would just do the power pose just be still and um, just just breathe how so. great is it that and they won region so oh, you know okay. maybe it's something I don't know power something pose I encourage it to everybody <laughs> well you know I and I I think that's fantastic but there's a couple ingredients there you, you got them to believe in it. And that's, that's in itself, I think, 
really um, that that can be difficult to do with high school kids, um, especially somebody talked to me about meditation or something when I was in high school, I would have just rolled my eyes. Right. So, um, you know, how did you bring that? I, first of all, I think Kara Goucher, her even sharing that is so strong. Um, the name of her book strong, but that shout out to her that she even wrote a book like that, because I think it's so important that athletes realize that even at that level that she had these insecurities, just like me, that's mm -hmm. a phrase mm -hmm. that we use a lot. These, these, uh, these athletes are just like me, right. you know, let's not put them on some other weird stratosphere or pedestal. Right. We, we have a lot of things in common. We have more things in common than we don't, including insecurities. It's just that the world's best, I think, have figured out maybe different ways to deal with that and to, um, to learn from those experiences. Right. But how did you, uh, how did you teach your kids how to power pose and get them to buy into it? I think when we started doing power poses, we were also doing a lot. Um, we really started incorporating a lot of visualization that season two. And um, I really believe in visualizing as much as they can, especially on courses that they've done. And um, what we used to do is we would have um, – we would visualize, and again, this right. Some coaches are going to tell you, "Don't do this," and but this works for us. We we would visualize the week before a race, and um, we would get a senior who would come up who had run that course at least three times. Everybody else would shut their eyes, and that senior would do the own, his own, you know, um, pretend gun, and would start just talk us through it. And it would probably take ten minutes every time we did it, and he would talk us through it: the turns, and the downhill, and the uphill, and the and give his little comments, and then um, then we would visualize it again with in silence, and um, so we did a lot of that, and um, and that's when we brought in kind of the power pose. So you know we we talk a lot about um, just being anxious and and being nervous because that is a big part of of running, and um, I remember my very first meet I did with as a coach so eight years ago at the Nevada, the UNR Twilight, which was the first meet that year, and um, I had three girls on the line crying. They were crying, and I'm like, "What? Why are you crying?" And they, you know, I'm standing behind them, and they came off the line. I was so nervous, and I knew right then, right, that this is this is an issue. You know, we we need to address this because um, you're not going to do any good crying on the course, um, and that's just right. That's that's not abnormal anxiety that's that's normal and so we talk a lot about being nervous and ways to um you know every kid is different every person's different some kids like my son would do well getting all hyped up some kids do not do well with that um everybody is a little different and we talk about how you have to try to find uh what works for you best before you race um it, you know so yeah 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 <laughs> I, I think it's an art in itself, though, that with all these different kids and backgrounds and just their perception of the sport and what they're getting into, and some of it, some of them have joined maybe just something to do after school. They couldn't make another sport. I mean, cross country is kind of known for we that. We don't cut. We take everybody, right? And right. 
you know, I'll tell you, Matt, so of course people don't know this, but except for you, so when I started coaching, you know, you came and helped me. You were coaching at another high school, and you said, Lisa, I want to come, I'm going to come work out with your team. We're going to come at least once or twice a week. And so you did, and, um, and it was awesome. But I will tell you, my kids were, you know, scared to death of having your kids come over and train with us because they thought your kids from your high school were so much you know, so much better, and they just had this, and they had that, and they were just so much better all around, and they would tell me that, and I would just say, look, no, just like all individuals, you guys are 99% the same, you're all high school kids that love to run, and don't focus on these differences, these differences are minute, let's, you know, let's not focus on that, so we, we talk a lot about, like how you said, we're, we're really, so much more common <laughs> than, 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 than not. So Absolutely. And, of course, I learned a lot of lessons just watching you as a coach as well. I might have had maybe a step up on some of the education and experience behind running and coaching at the time. But I was definitely more militant in my earlier coaching career than I certainly am now. And I do attribute some of that just to – just watching your team grow and thrive. I mean, people wouldn't know it from outside of this area, but the team that you got and the atmosphere you got was a bit broken at the time. And then I really think you did a wonderful job of building that culture up, getting more people to join. It thrived in a short amount of time, really. And that's a strong lesson. At the same time, I know that you went uh, through a few different certifications and you're always reading. You took Jack Daniels VDOT training with me. I remember that. Mm -hmm. You also did Bobby McGee's Run Transformation, which was amazing. And so you were just really wanting to learn as much as you could. And, of course, it didn't stop there. You also went to more of the mindset and the culture with books like Strong. So that's what I, I've always appreciated that about you, though, because um, – I, I will say, I think a lot of coaches, uh, they do get stuck in what they've been doing the last 20 years. It's not going to change. It doesn't need to change. I don't need to change. But really, we all need to evolve. We need to constantly make adjustments. And we are coaching in a different world today than we were 20 years ago, for one. And second, there's more science behind the training. So we have to take advantage of that. We have to acknowledge that. And I think the biggest problem a lot of times is when a coach has been doing something the same way for 20 plus years, they don't want to think that what they did with an athlete might have been wrong. Or, And I don't think it's as black and white as saying, well, this was all wrong and this was all right. But for some athletes, maybe they can get away with higher mileage with other athletes. Maybe they're better served with lower mileage. Um, that's not really my position as much as people think. Uh, you mentioned before that you do lower mileage. And I do lower mileage with kids in high school mainly because I want them to enjoy it. And I don't want them to burn out on it when they're in high school. And, of course, the cream rises to the top. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the junior elites with, with Bobby. And, he, and we see this all the time that if it's meant to be, you see that quality coming out, you see that potential, and then it's about mitigating that. And um, it, I want to ask you about how you deal with this with parents 
or potentially other uh, influences, other coaches, because I know this was something that was really tough when I was coaching that, um, you know, you want the best for your kids, but doing uh, more mileage or, or dedicating yourself year round to a program isn't necessarily to me the right approach. And it doesn't mean that that kid's going to be a state champion. Um, so, you know, let's talk a little bit about that and how we deal with those type of influences, because I think if we're just talking about raising champions, then we're, we're setting a lot of people up for failure where really they are there to get the right experience and to learn and grow and develop as human beings. Yeah, I agree. Um, and this goes back, I think a lot of it to just being a mom, uh, of two boys that went through high school. Um, you, they have to be kids. They have to develop. They have to experience being in high school and and things like that. I think I, you know, I don't think I've ever said this out loud, but I am grateful that Nevada doesn't have an indoor track season, to be honest, so that um, our kids can take some time off or they can play basketball or they can be on ski team because that is, or do just more strength training. Um, but that's important, I think, it's it's a a tough kid that can do all three seasons of running and stay healthy um for more than a couple years so um i do i encourage i encourage my kids um one of my top boys last year was a top basketball player last year um you know and so it's important to do other things and have perspective on life in general um so that you know so that they can be healthy. Uh, the last thing I want to do, and I've had some parents ask me, well, how come you don't do, you should do heart rate training. You should do this kind of training. How come you don't do more mileage? They should be running every day. Um, you know, this and that school does, they run every day, twice a day. Um, I, I want my kids to graduate high school healthy. If they're going to run in college, which we've had definitely a fair amount, I, I don't want to send them to college broken. Um, I want them to be able to thrive in that environment, and you know, even though it's going to be much different than high school, the, the running, I, I don't want to send them in broken because that's just setting them up for failure. So they they have to be kids first and foremost because they are kids. They're kids. That's right, and they they need room to grow. And you brought up a couple really good points. And you know, first of all, if you have somebody who's doing sixty miles a week maybe at the uh at the high school level that might be the very very top top end um and i don't think uh, i've ever actually coached any of my boys to 60 mile weeks and i don't i think that m there was a couple that we got to maybe around 50 and a couple of the girls um that i worked with maybe are around like 40 miles ish. Uh, and that was more though, to get them ready for mileage in college, mm -hmm. because I didn't want them to just go into that their first year in college and go from 30 mile weeks to 60 mile weeks. So that's more of why we, we did that with a few of our kids that I knew were going to run in higher mileage programs and at least give them a fighting chance to start out with that. But so many of these kids that are at the top level there, they might be running 70, 80, some kids even higher than that. Sure. And where For do sure. you go from there is my point, you know? Right. Um, and if you're running, if you're running competitive times, they're fantastic and there are outliers to every situation. But I feel like a lot of times you are seeing 
um, right about their potential or close to it, which is really unfortunate because I think if you took your time with it, then that ceiling gets gets much, much higher. I, I, you know, and we can only speak now as, right, I'm a 55-year-old adult. I didn't know this back when I was in high school, but this is, right, the beginning of their life really is when they leave high school, right? It's, um, so they need to be healthy. You know, I'm, I know there's some amazing high school coaches out there who really focus on high mileage and, um, are, you know, kind of, um, very strict with nutrition and especially with girls nutrition. And I'm just not, I am just the opposite of that to a certain degree. Um, I was a gymnast in high school and college and I saw a lot of disordered eating that, um, you know, has stuck with those, um, athletes until now, 35 and 40 years later. And, um, again, I, I, I tell my kids as far as like nutrition, speaking for nutrition for an example, the eat like a B plus, okay? B plus eating. You can't eat, do not eat perfect all the time. You have to have, you have to have that piece of cake. You have to have that ice cream cone when you go out. You have to have that cookie. Now, every day during training, probably not, but it's okay once a week during training. Uh, you, you, you have to give and take. You can't be... I don't want to create a bunch of perfectionists coming out of high school. I think that sets them up mentally and emotionally for, for not a good adulthood, to be honest. Um, I, I, that's just my, just my gut feeling. So, Yeah, no, we talked about in our 100th episode, uh, we had an um, uh, episode that focused on eating disorders, for example, mm-hmm. and the, the hidden war and and we had uh mm-hmm. we had gotten an email from this girl and her high school experience um i think was best i can say is unfortunate and mm-hmm. in that regard but when you're weighing and measuring these kids uh, that's just that to me that's criminal and, and i'm and i i've gotten in my fair share of arguments with coaches you 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 do a much better job walking that line of of being able to get along with other coaches um i've always admired that about you because honestly i i i've i uh, feel like i got too emotional in the past sometimes but it is hard when you know that a coach is literally weighing their athlete and um, we say female, but this has become a male problem, too, mm-hmm. um, where they think that lighter is better. And they're actually being told that sometimes by coaches. So you've really done a good job educating yourself. And also you're an occupational therapist. So, of course, there's that. But <clears throat> because I think of that education in part and because, of course, you're a mom and, and you have that perspective, I think that's that's offered maybe your kids a, a little bit better of a chance to understand their bodies and their development and their progressions and, and not have a coach that's that basically saying, if you don't weigh this, you won't run fast enough. Oh, I would never. Yeah. Right. And, but I feel like in our, in our field, we have, especially at the high school level, but really, I don't know, college level too. We've talked about mm-hmm. that a lot where these coaches aren't qualified. They're not RDs, for example, not qualified to give numbers. And and, and in fact, as I've been now being a professional myself for 20 plus years, I still tell my athletes, I will not tell you how much you should weigh or how many calories you should take in. I'm not qualified to do that. And if I was, I bet you I would say the same thing. 
right? So that that is that's to me one of the bigger problems is that coaches get so much credit. It's like they're in charge, and they're going to tell me what's happening here, right? I don't think that that's fair, right? right. So yeah, I I feel like a lot of times these these coaches aren't qualified anyways to to give these uh, these opinions or even these answers or to talk in these absolutes. So again, I will, I'll talk about how some of my athletes don't even necessarily run as fast for their uh, age as other athletes that maybe look more the part and it comes a little bit more natural to them. And some of those athletes, because they followed their own progressions and because they've paid attention to their bodies and because they've done it in a healthful way, they end up actually um, having wonderful careers, sometimes very competitively. Sometimes uh, I've, I've couple of my athletes, I would even say, are my best athletes of all time that you wouldn't have picked them out of a crowd to be that athlete. But eventually they get to that point because again, they're consistent with it and they love it and they evolve that way. And I do believe that uh, the body is such an amazing thing where it adapts to stress. And if you keep giving it the right amount of stress, not too much, not too little, but the right amount that you, ad- it'll adapt to that demand. And, um, yeah, maybe you didn't look the part originally, but you sure do now, but you did it the right way. Right. Right. And that's, you know, like you said, the stress plus some rest equals growth, right? We all, as coaches, we know that. And, and then what you're just talking about is the long-term effect, right? That's the process. And if you can keep doing that and um, finding that balance, I use that word a lot with my kids because I use it for nutrition. I use it for our workouts. I use it for life. Everything is a balance. Um, you have to be able to balance what you're doing. If you're doing too much of one thing, if you're not getting, if you're doing too much recovery, that's not good. If you're running too much, that's not good, if, right? So um, that, and the balance is sometimes hard to find. It's it, it comes easier as I think we mature. Um, but there's definitely some kids that just have it. And, um, and it's fun to see those kids because then the other kids see that too. And, um, and realize that, look, again, this is not rocket science. It's just showing up, being consistent, doing what you need to do. Don't complain, just showing up and doing the same thing over and over again with of course some variabilities but um it's not rocket science they're they're learning they don't have to make it so difficult so and you know one thing that i know you do really well in that culture is getting everybody on the team involved in their own way in their own capacity and everybody feels like they have something to contribute and that can be really tough to do when you're not in the top five, when you're not somebody who's going to score. But you've obviously done that. And one of the things that I did take from you, and I think it came through Ben, um, but we started having more fun. We started going out and doing some trail runs that led to a lake, and then we would you know, have a swim, and we ended up having some, uh, some really nice um, sort of like uh, – you know, picnics or field days and just we play Frisbee at the beach or just things like that um, instead of just getting in another run. And lo and behold, we ended up having our most successful season that that year we had the most fun. And, and back in my mind, I was 
I was even wondering, am I, are we doing enough? But I had to trust that process. Um, how, how do you handle that? You said that preseason was the most fun. Um, what do you do to have fun with the kids? What do you do to make them feel like they are part of the success of the team, regardless of the paces they're running? Um, so our preseason and then when our season does start, we, everybody is included pretty much in everything we have, um, so, I, and I kind of do blankets. So the seniors are in charge of, um, they're in charge of, you know, motivational Thursday. So, and they rotate through every Thursday. One of them gives a little motivational story or quote or, or what have you. Um, on Tuesdays, every junior rotates through Haha ha Tuesday. So our Haha ha Tuesdays are when um, they came about after I think I listened to a podcast on humor and how important that is for performance enhancement. So I have, right, there's no research on it, but I thought we're going to bring back some, we're going to really do some fun laughter stuff. So haha Tuesdays is uh, the kids have to tell a joke or a funny story and everybody has to laugh whether it was funny or not. Um, on, you know, another day of the week, the sophomores are in charge of talking about something you can be in control of. And we talk about this a lot, but they, again, have to rotate through all the sophomores and pick one thing that they have to be in control of and what they do for that. We talk a lot about being in control of the controllables, um, so, you know, getting your homework done on time, getting to sleep on time, eating a good breakfast, and on and on and on. So that's the sophomores. Uh, the freshmen, well, I usually don't, usually they're in charge of, um, <laughs> they're in charge of cleaning up our camp where we are from our workouts. Everybody has to do something. And um, when I was a kid growing up, the sports I did, like tennis and swimming and gymnastics, I was never a standout, right? And I just knew the coaches never knew me because I wasn't a standout. So I didn't really have any coach mentors because they didn't, they didn't talk to me because I wasn't, you know, the top kid. And that has, has always stuck with me. Um, you have to, everybody is equally as important as everybody else. Um, when we did a two-mile time trial a couple weeks ago before our preseason was shut down, I think it was our slowest boy runner had improved from his two-mile time trial from last season to this season. So he's a freshman last year, sophomore this year. He improved by six minutes. Our group, when I announced that, I mean, everybody went crazy. It was just awesome, right? And he was so proud, and it was just awesome. And that's, that's what we do. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, I mean, yes, the kids who who are on the top five and who are the fastest, they in themselves are in that glory. They get that. Um, but like I said, when we started, when our JV champs boys won, oh, that was an awesome day. So we make sure I make sure everybody I try. That's that's really my goal as a coach is to make sure that everybody feels that they are on that team 100 percent. That's amazing. And just the fact that you're really building from the freshman year up to where you have responsibilities on the team, you have tasks, you have uh, things that you need to do so that the, the machine runs smoothly. And, uh, and then acknowledging that, uh, yeah, this, this person took six minutes off their time. 
that sh- also shows that athlete that you're paying attention in the first place. And I think that's, that's uh, phenomenal because again, it's not all about just performance. It's, it's about learning. I put in this hard work and yet people did uh, understand that I made progress. I might not be the fastest one out there. And eventually that's going to turn into a job, a career, and that type of attitude gets you very far. Right. And that kid, he knows just by showing up, that's what happened. Right. And I almost feel like it's not, of course, there's some tremendous people that happen to be really good athletes. So there's that. But I, I feel like a lot of times, especially in a sport like cross country, where you're working very, very hard. You don't necessarily get a lot of acknowledgement in the short term. In the long term, you can um, you can stick with it, and then you can realize that that if you could do that, you can make anything work, really. Um, but some of my favorite people were not great runners, but they really did so much for the culture and the team and the atmosphere, and I'll never forget them. And, and so I think we, uh, you and I, we breathe the same air that way and, and yeah. getting excited about our runners. But I know as a, as a coach in the beginning, I definitely focused more on my elites because I thought like that's what I was supposed to be doing. I was supposed to be getting everybody faster. And what's funny is that when I started to kind of take some of those lessons about building a better culture and just basically focusing on better people um, and helping these people uh, grow and thrive and learn and understand their process, we actually started competing better too. So it's a, it's a win-win. Um, and I think, I think that coaches um, feel pressure to get the Ws, but really I think that we're doing a disservice if we're just focused on just those top five. Right. That's really my goal as a coach is to is to have these kids carry on their life lessons, even though they don't know they're learning them at the time, um, is to, to have them carry on right with responsibility and determination and loyalty and, you know, everything that it takes to be part of a team and working together. And um, and again, just showing up so many people nowadays just they don't show up, whatever it is, whether it's work or a job or what have you, um, at how important just showing up is. Yeah, no, incredible. And of course, you know, I look back at uh, some of the experiences I've had with, we were talking about Rosie Linkus before, and, you know, the first day of practice, she couldn't make it all the way around the track. <laughs> and then to think that one day she'd be setting our school record. Amazing. Um, right? Where She's the, a beast. Right. And that's, and, and of course, um, w- there was another girl that was, um, you know, really wonderful girl too and runner, but she got uh, the attention mainly because she was running so fast in the beginning. And so that, that to me was, there's, there's a lesson in that too, is you never know who your next superstar is going to be. It right. may be the slowest kid on the team. Right. Right. Uh, so there's that too, but, uh, all right. So we'll, we'll wrap this up, Lisa, with just, um, I think when it comes to coaching and, and working with these kids, there's maybe three main tips that we'd like to give. And um, we were talking before the podcast about just with keeping people motivated, keeping them interested, um, enjoying their sports. You already mentioned the visualization, and that's one I like to do a lot too. So I think that visualization is such an important factor, and that might be uh, my 
my tip. What what might you say for you know just a good running tip to keep your your athletes motivated? You know, especially now um, with what we're going through. Luckily, I I'm not worried about my kids right now because be maybe it's because of our culture. I I know that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. I gave them the workouts. They know what they should be doing. Uh, you know, they're doing um, we're doing a. a virtual run in mid-September somewhere in Reno um, that they're preparing for for a three-mile virtual run and I know I don't have a doubt that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing Um, and I think that's just because they do you do need a carrot to stay to stay motivated sometimes and that's their carrot right now Um, because there hasn't been a whole lot of carrots for them you know what's what's their prize so we'll we'll you know, I knew that when our season was going to get shut down that we needed to do something like that. So we have that carrot. And then we, um, they've also, especially for my seniors, I'm hoping to get some other carrots for them in January. Um, you know, it's, you do need something. Um, and so right now those guys are looking at that, that race, uh, five weeks from now. Um, you I know. like that though, keeping mm-hmm. the the carrots out there, but something that's reachable right. in, in the near right. future too. Right? Uh, yeah, because I, th- I, I mean, I've I've had athletes that would say, "Yeah, I want to be a state champion, or I want to be a professional, and uh, I want to go to the Olympics." And that's that's great if that's really part of your why. But um, you know, that's years and years away. Right. This is their target. You know, like Bobby McGee says, targets and goals. So. These are their targets to get to their goals. Um, if these kids, if their goal is to be, you know, a collegiate runner, they have to get to these targets first. Um, yes. So that's that's what they're working on. And, um, yeah. And I think just the overall theme, maybe for our third ki- tip, I would think you would agree here, is just your follow your own process. And, uh, that's, you know, that's harder to do these days, but compare you to you and where you've come from each, each month, each year and, uh, allow yourself that opportunity. For sure. For sure. And that's why, like, for example, while we're doing this, um, run in, you know, next month is so that they can see, so they can compare from last year. You know, these are all kids that got their track and field season canceled too in the spring and now their cross country season has been quote postponed hopefully it will happen in february but um yeah they they need some of this stuff to stay motivated to a certain degree um they do like seeing a lot of the elite professional runners now who are out there at you know the oregon track with no fans or wherever they're out running uh, with no fans and seeing how much how great they're doing. So that's kind of motivating to some of my, you know, more serious kids. I love it. Lisa Stevens, these kids are so lucky to have you. And anybody listening today, I hope that you were able to get something out of this, whether you're a coach or an athlete yourself, please let us know what you think. And of course you can email us at Aaron at Pandola training.com. Go to our website there. And I, I don't know, Lisa, do you want anybody to find you? Well, you can't really find me. I don't, I, you know, I'm not on, I don't do social media. I don't Perfect. even do Strava. Um, I love again, it. Again, because I'm not going to watch what my kids are doing. I know what they're doing. They're, they're doing it. 
I love it. I love it. You could then get a hold of me through you, Matt. <laughs> I love it. That's so fantastic. Lisa, thank you so much for being here today. It was a real pleasure to You're have welcome. you on. I'm honored. Thanks for having me. Thank you.